Chapter Eleven of For Fifteen Years by Louis Albach, translated by Elizabeth Warmly Latimer. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Eleven, Put to the Proof. Gaston had remained in his own chamber. The crisis of that morning had made him almost beside himself. When his wife had surprised him in that threatening attitude his arm brandishing his cane as if he were going to murder his own son as he had murdered pierre mortier he fancied he could read in the startled eyes of gabrielle the concentrated contempt she must have felt for him for fifteen years and had till now so well concealed what did she say to him when roger left them very little in her presence he was ashamed of his passion above all he was afraid of her for he was possessed with the idea that she had betrayed him in response to a few reproaches such as no mother could have helped making for his treatment of her son reproaches the more severe because of their moderation gaston had replied by vague complaints he was sick he said he was ill physically and morally he tried to make his ill health an excuse for his brutal violence Gabrielle did not reason with him. She did not, however, allow him to suppose that she was entirely his dupe. She was placed in a strangely equivocal position toward him, through dread of the consequences of exposure. How could they have lived together fifteen years if she had laid bare to him the certain knowledge of his crime, which had been her martyrdom? It seemed to her that if she charged him with his guilt, she would be putting herself in the position of his accomplice and as if the spectre that had stood between them for fifteen years would confound them in one vengeance and destroy them both gaston whenever his wife looked at him with her blue eyes the blue had grown deeper and darker than in her youth and when she addressed him with that elaborate show of duty which implies neither confidence nor esteem always became afraid of her he had never dared to ask her questions nor to demand her reasons for the kind of life she led nor the life she forced upon him she made him suffer as much as he suffered from the presence of madame jean mortier but he could not hate her for it he only feared her had gabrielle on this occasion been less prudent or less generous and had she tried to crush him by reproaching him with his crime perhaps in his shame and passion he might have committed another murder it was this that gabrielle dreaded not for her sake but for his own and he dreaded it too he submitted to her chiefly because he dared not trust himself to rebel against her after the scene with his son and the tete-a-tete with his wife which followed it he had not felt equal to going down to luncheon and appearing before the eyes of the young people and those of madame emilienne gabrielle to give a pretext for this seclusion had made believe she thought him ill and that she was staying with him to nurse him but in reality she had left him long before he had remained in his own room grumbling uttering from time to time groans not unlike the roars of a caged beast biting his moustache wringing his hands till his bones cracked walking up and down his chamber marking step to get rid of a twitching sensation in his limbs vulgarly called pins and needles sitting down in hopes that rest would come to him if he were quiet and then beginning everything all over again 
gabrielle in the few steps she made between her little sitting-room and her husband's chamber strengthened herself in the resolve with which she sought him she had decided to dare everything and when she laid her hand upon the doorknob she said to herself with a slight smile which was akin to a brief prayer suppose he kills me she went in gaston with his cravat untied was lying back in an armchair he had not time or perhaps he was now reckless to replace in a closet a half-empty brandy bottle standing on a side table on which he was leaning his arm he raised his eyes saw how pale his wife was and instinctively became pale in his turn gabrielle came near and standing before him drew up a chair leaning on the back of it so that he should not see how her hands trembled roger wants to go away she said abruptly let him go then on the contrary i say he must remain for fifteen years indeed ever since her marriage gabrielle had had her own way but this was the first time she had ever asserted herself peremptorily she spoke the words with calm decision you say he must remain stammered monsieur de monterey he stopped he dared not ask her why he must remain gabrielle went on i have obtained a respite a fortnight fifteen days but that is not enough if roger goes he is lost the poor woman could not bring herself to say you are lost she wanted to make the sense that her husband was her son's father modify her feelings toward the criminal do you suppose he will break his heart about her asked monsieur de monterey attempting sarcasm gabrielle went on roger has told me why he wants to go back to paris as soon as possible he hopes to find a way to overcome your opposition to his marriage gaston shook his head with all the pride of his station he was not in the least afraid of being conquered gabrielle in spite of her bravery had a full heart what she was going to say would decide her fate her words could never be forgotten nor unsaid yes she said roger has taken it into his head that he can bring home proofs that jean mortier was not guilty she stood perfectly still as she said this gaston trembled so that his elbow on the side table made it shake and the brandy bottle toppled half over from mere habit monsieur de monterey caught hold of the bottle and set it up again there was a dead silence gabrielle did not look at her husband her eyes wandered round the room fixing themselves chiefly above his head upon the ceiling yes she resumed it is a plan formed by those two poor children they must not carry it out they shall not carry it out i do not choose that they should but what can we do about it asked gaston gabrielle though she could hardly speak rallied her strength and said we must let them if it be not too late at once be married never cried gaston grasping the two arms of his chair we must repeated gabrielle roger married the daughter of gabrielle looked down full in her husband's face the daughter of an innocent man she said emphatically yes that is what i hope for him then after a moment's pause she added provided madame jean mortier will consent to the marriage 
why shouldn't she consent cried gaston rashly gabrielle did not answer him immediately at last she said slowly because she suspects you monsieur de monterey grew livid he passed his hands several times over his forehead over his damp hair during all those fifteen years never had his wife made any allusion to his crime he could not answer her he was silently pondering her words she suspects you gabrielle could see them writhing on his lips he stretched out his hand toward the brandy bottle but he drew it back again he had no need of brandy to feel as if suddenly dizzy and intoxicated he began speaking rapidly after all if roger has taken that notion into his head he had better go to paris what harm can that do me gabrielle's daring grew greater still i do not choose she said that roger should suspect too he answered without perceiving that he ought to have appeared astonished at such extraordinary language why should he i have myself you do not suspect me now no he misunderstood her he drew a long breath and tried to resume the upper hand and so my own wife doubted me i doubt no longer for i know gaston's fury broke forth he exclaimed brutally you are neither more nor less than mad then i have been near being mad very often but i am not so now i tell you you are out of your senses i am afraid of nothing i would wish you to understand roger can go to paris as much as he likes don't you suppose that the whole matter is buried and forgotten where would he find witnesses one witness would be enough i would like to know whom you mean well then monsieur henri d'arbois henri why do you pick out henri he is in india he's a nabob a rajah he has gone to the devil long ago unless indeed he may be dead or unless he is now in paris well suppose he is in paris suppose roger finds him out suppose he questions him monsieur d'arbois might chance to recollect a certain letter he once wrote you when fifteen years ago what letter a letter that enclosed some money he sent back to you what money that letter came one morning to geneva directed to me directed to you why did you intercept it how dared you open it i saw by the postmark that the letter came from Poncherry. gaston's first impulse was to be very angry but in spite of himself he was overcome by the anguish of his friendless situation what was in the letter he said it was less what it said than what it did not say that alarmed me what was it gabrielle paused before she gave the final thrust it seems she said very gravely that in your haste to pay your debts at the gambling table you sent monsieur d'arbois two thousand franc notes too much he sent them back to you well if he did that only proves my carelessness yes but the number of one of these notes was one of the numbers that the lawyer had kept and which was brought forward on the trial after that i knew gaston sprang up with a cry 
he raised his hands he seemed about to strike his wife then suddenly collapsing he fell back into the armchair and from the chair slipped down upon the floor on his knees broken crushed motionless with his chin upon his bosom he remained thus some moments gabrielle stood looking down at him sadly despairingly so you have known it all the time he murmured with a shiver you must have known i did i could not believe it after a short silence he added had i known it i should have killed myself that would have been a second crime or rather a third one at least you would have been rid of me no i should have been haunted by one more spectre ah my poor gabrielle he said trying to catch hold of his wife's hand you hold me in horror i pity you well then pity me to the end do not utterly desert me since you know all since what is done can never be undone do not add to my punishment deliver me from the presence of that woman and her daughter let them go or let us go don't you suppose i suffer from remorse he grew reassured as he spoke of his own suffering he ventured to look up at his wife she was standing near him pale resolute and still as marble she had drawn aside a little to avoid his touching her nothing is now possible she said but to bring about this marriage and even that we are not certain will prevent the discovery of the truth roger oh roger we must forbid him to go to paris we must take him with us you are only afraid of his meeting with henry d'arbois i am afraid of everything but fifteen years have passed and nothing has been discovered it was not roger who was in search of the truth my son why should my son be more likely to find out the truth than others roger has often wondered why i brought madame mortier and her daughter into our household he asks himself why i have let so close an intimacy grow up between him and florence yes you did a fine piece of work there gabrielle gave a disdainful smile it was the beginning of an attempt to repair the consequences i wanted your son unknowing of the crime to save the honor of our name since there was nothing left to save but the family honor do not hinder the happiness of these two young people if they can still be happy i know it seems like a theft of florence that i am leading roger to commit but i trust god will forgive me and you say that that woman will not consent to this marriage if she will not yield we must submit to the punishment but maybe she loves her daughter more than she loves the honor of her husband as you do your son gabrielle made no answer gaston rose he was recovering his self-assurance he found it easier than he could have expected to bear the unveiling of this terrible story his wife had neither shrieked nor fainted she was discussing with him how they should continue to smother the knowledge of this still undiscovered crime she was putting herself in the position of his confidant his accomplice and her acceptance of this position diminished her authority as a judge i tell you once again he said that this scheme of a marriage between roger and florence is a very foolish notion 
it was the only way i had no choice it was a foolish woman's notion a woman's if you will and you in fifteen years what plan have you conceived for redeeming your fault for working out your release from the consequences of your crime gabrielle as she said this looked at the half-empty bottle gaston intercepted her glance and it made him the more irritable well yes said he i have been dissipated i have tried to stupefy myself it was all your fault gabrielle made no protest any selfishness on his part could no longer surprise her gaston like all those who have lost the habit of reflection lost command of himself the moment his brain was excited he had also been long in the habit of extricating himself from any difficulty by mere brute violence it was a way still open to him he rushed into it yes yes it is all your fault he repeated my health is ruined and now you make a finish of me threatening me through my own son i don't threaten i put you on your guard it is your own fault if fifteen years ago i was afraid of what you'd say to me of your looking like a martyr your monsieur henrion with his moral lectures and you with your melancholy airs were enough to exasperate any man that's why i did it do you mean to say that i led you to commit a crime said gabrielle gently gaston being now completely beside himself found a new pretext for insolence in his wife's quiet demeanour certainly i do your high and mighty airs were enough to drive out of his senses a man as nervous as myself i all along suspected that you knew something that it was to force me to confess to make it easy to betray me that you brought that woman into this house that you planned this this penance that has lasted fifteen years you ought to have told me that you knew you ought to have shown me des arbois's letter and not to have burned it i did not burn it gaston sprang up in terror and the thousand franc note it is inside the letter have you kept the letter and the note let me have them no i will have them you will not what do you mean to do with them i have no right to destroy them they are the sole proofs of jean mortier's innocence do you mean to hand them over to that woman if it becomes necessary i do gaston had a sudden rush of blood to the head his eyes grew bloodshot his face crimson he seized his wife by her two wrists and shook them savagely looking wildly in her face and spitting out his words take care gabrielle gabrielle smiled sadly tell me where that letter is that note no i shall find out then he let go her hands as roughly as he had seized them pushed her from him and went toward the door striking his heels on the polished floor at every step but when he reached the door he had a sudden vertigo he felt about vaguely for the lock and closed his eyes to recover himself gabrielle without stirring from where she stood had turned half round and was watching him presently she said in the same soft voice but it trembled slightly you may turn over everything that belongs to me but you will not find them you may set fire to the house but you will not burn them 
they are in a safe place gaston walked back to where she stood raising his fists threateningly but it was the last of his burst of passion i must have them he yelled kill me cried gabrielle and you will find them in my will he uttered a loud cry she thought he was about to strike her but his passion had exhausted itself before the look of her blue eyes shining out of her pale face he grew dizzy as men do on looking down into an abyss all his anger was exhausted and he flung himself back in an armchair tears fell abundantly from his bloodshot eyes a sob not unlike a hiccup came from his bosom his weakness was a reaction from his violence he came back to what he really was a naughty child in a man's form vainly trying to be as outrageous as he could be gabrielle had passed unharmed through the stage when his naughtiness was violent and now it was her turn she waited till the fire had grown low in the brazier ah oh, how well you know how to make your husband suffer cried gaston in a lamentable voice as soon as he could speak of course his first thought was one proceeding from his vanity and selfishness but he added a moment after and you too have suffered through my fault gabrielle dropped into the chair whose back had served her hitherto for a support she no longer needed so much bracing you are right she answered sadly i have had my share in everything mothers are responsible for their children's faults and when i ceased to be your wife i tried to be a mother to you as soon as i understood that i could not be your sister i have not been able to inspire you with trust enough in me i have frightened you you own i did and that is why i have no right to complain if for fifteen years i have suffered as much as you as much as i cried gaston in a broken voice if you only knew how for all these fifteen years i have not had one night's sound sleep not one unless i went to bed drunk dead too more than once i have made up my mind to kill myself do you know what prevented me it was my fear of you i was afraid of your contempt after i was gone i fancied how you might tell roger look at this man who killed himself after being the death of two other men he is the most cowardly of murderers he has not withstood the temptation to kill himself though he withstood the call of honour and of justice and let an innocent man be sentenced in his stead he has killed himself to escape the pangs of remorse i was afraid you would say all that to roger i bore up and lived on but i have always been a gambler a dishonest gambler i have cheated my own conscience it is this that has helped me to cheat it he pointed to the brandy bottle then he rose pride came to me too late it ought to have stopped me that night i am a great scoundrel but then i am very unhappy i want to tell you everything no no it is no use murmured gabrielle she dreaded to have the bloody scene brought up before her and yet she had some curiosity to know how this man whom she had once loved for whom she still had an undefinable feeling of compassion could have been led into actual crime she therefore protested feebly being divided between delicacy of feeling 
and a desire to know all that she might do what she could to apply a remedy yes let me confess it all to you said gaston eagerly it is not that i expect you to forgive me but it will be a relief to me for fifteen years i have longed to tell it to somebody fifteen years all all that was his sentence to the galleys and mine should i have suffered all i have done if it had not been that an innocent man was sentenced in my stead don't you suppose that remorse for that last meanness has tortured me more than remorse for the first murder what drives me wild is the thought that comes to me sometimes that i'm not an utter scoundrel yet what do i lack when i am myself that is when i am not under the influence of drink i ask myself can this be really i gaston de monterey who struck down a man in the dark to rob him gaston de monterey a robber gaston de monterey a common thief it is far worse than killing him he covered his face with both hands then he drew them away roughly you have done well to bring up roger to shun cards and trickery one can't take to the one without the other in play one must use stratagems and lying is nothing more than laying a false card on the table you did not hold me up to him for an example you kept the picture of a gambler a liar a thief and a murderer to yourself yes i killed a man because i was a liar and a gambler but you don't want me to draw the moral i must tell you the story of that night listen often on spring nights when i open my window because i cannot bear to be shut up by myself i have a sort of mania to escape upon me and when i look over yonder at the forest i fancy i hear a rustling in the leaves i fancy two men struggling in the wood i fancy i shall soon see one come out of the trees running running through the meadow down that way a man who killed and stole and is making for the chateau de la bois thinking in an asylum where thieves and murderers may live in safety then i am tempted to come down and bolt the doors gaston as he spoke recovered his energy and excitement but his anger now had its spring broken and was directed against himself he volubly recounted his shame and his remorse he went on to tell of the wild restlessness of his wakeful nights of his long lonely days as he painted the picture of a robber and a murderer coming to Hupois for refuge, he clenched his fists and stretched out his arms. Suddenly he seemed to choke, his throat was dry, a spasm convulsed his face. Gabrielle rose and poured out a glass of water, which she handed to him. Gaston refused it with a gesture. He dared not touch her hand. No, he said, pointing to the brandy bottle. Let me drink that gabrielle did not stop him she let him do as he would she set down the glass of water it seemed to her brimming with the tears she had shed for fifteen years gaston seized the bottle raised it to his lips drank one long draught and resumed i was in debt i was ruined i had borrowed money from the jews in all directions but i had never done a base thing up to that time all in a moment i fell to what i am now i was wrong out of my admiration for you 
to let the men of the club find out that i did not want you to know of my high play that i was afraid of your goodness they made fun of me for it what they said gave me an impulse to tell you what i now know you knew or to find some means of never having to tell you i dreaded the moment when i should have no money to keep on gambling with but yours to give up play seemed simply impossible to leave the club was like giving up my social position it came easy enough afterward though it is true that at that time i had had enough to put me in a fever that evening i had lost heavily d'herbois had been pitiless in his jokes several times before supper i had a great mind to box his ears when we got up from the table to take leave it was he who noticed that i was forgetting my cane and he handed it to me i had a great notion to strike him across the face with it i felt my nerves tingle in the same way they did afterward if i only had insulted him i should have been saved had i challenged him and wounded him or even killed him i should have appeased that savage criminal instinct that took possession of me the rage that set my blood aflame would have passed off in that way and then he might have killed me that would have been best you would have forgiven me long ago you would have mourned for me and have recovered from it instead of which you are mourning still then you all would have wept for me however nothing came of it here gaston paused and wiped his forehead he began to tremble so violently that it hindered his speech he went on trying to recover his aplomb when i left the restaurant i never thought of what was going to happen at least i was not conscious of thinking of it i had been teased and worried by all sorts of jokes of which that man sitting beside us coolly eating his supper had been the cause i was indignant at his loud coarse laughter i was angry at his having his pocket-book full while mine was empty i had not drunk wine enough to make me drunk but i was drunk with envy and bad temper on the boulevard after taking leave of my friends i stood alone for some time i was held in check unconsciously by something within me then it was that when i thought of going home with debts of honor to be paid next day and told myself that i must ask you for the money borrow it of you make you a humiliating confession i said to myself if that man who is soon coming out of the restaurant would only lend me three or four of his thousand franc notes it was absurd it was madness but gamblers have such strange conceptions they make such insane extravagant appeals to chance i longed to see him come out his coming out had a superstitious attraction for me i seemed to fancy that that man as he came into the street was coming straight up to me just as if i had really had an intention of accosting him and asking him to give me money yes it was sheer insanity but when one has got into the way of looking out for luck for chances that have nothing to do with what is logical or calculable when one has lived for years the strange exciting life of an habitual gambler a life which combines all kinds of dreams in which the turn of a card may put one into fairyland 
one can understand i waited there like a beggar i felt certain of his alms the man came out he hesitated which way to go i trembled lest he should get into a coach again i said to myself if he comes my way it will be a sign that luck favors me i shall be able to speak to him he did come my way my heart beat frightfully fast it seemed as if fate were giving me a positive promise of deliverance yet i did not go up to him i walked on at some distance from him in the same direction trying to make up my mind but i tried to magnetize my will by my own eager wishes he went into a cigar store and when he came out posted an envelope gabrielle gave a long sigh and rose gaston who had benumbed his sense of shame by the interest he took in his own narrative and who led on by his desire to talk was treating himself as a third party came back to his first standpoint when he heard this sigh his face had recovered a little color now its pallor returned true he said in a low voice i saw him do that and i did not tell it on the trial if you had jean mortier would have been acquitted it would have been a proof that he did not lie said gabrielle hoarsely true repeated gaston that is true and i lied in not speaking of it but how could i have told what i had seen without bringing suspicion on myself my testimony might have saved jean mortier but it would have been ruined to me a silence succeeded these words gaston hesitated to continue it was gabrielle who lifting up one hand while her head rested on the other signed to him to go on it was necessary now that she should know all that that inert conscience that conscience weighted with so many base atrocities should for once pour forth everything that she might know whether there was any hope that he might yet be reclaimed monsieur de monterey obeyed her by the time we reached the place de la madeleine he said i was a little sobered the man i could see was drunk he would probably not understand nor answer me the folly of what i was doing became manifest i gave up this chance i was just turning away from the boulevard when pierre mortier who did not recognize me accosted me i felt myself assailed again by that wild wish to tempt fortune my wish i am certain must have shone like a stream of light from my eyes if a cafe had been open i would have proposed to the man to go in with me i had no feeling of hatred to him i wanted to play a game of cards with him to try for one more chance with him but i never dreamed of killing him nor of robbing him a shudder of gabrielle's here made gaston pause alarmed more than offended by this involuntary protest he went on with less boldness i am telling you the truth just as i find it in my memory if i deceived myself if i was the dupe of my own evil instincts i did not know it i gave him the direction he wanted he wished to go to the bois de boulogne at that time of night in the solitude of the forest it seemed to me that i might speak to him at my ease and ask him for money i had a rush of confused ideas in my head and yet since you must know everything 
since i have set out to tell you everything i swear solemnly that up to that moment i had not dreamed of using violence i only thought to myself that it would be easier to persuade him there no no you must believe me what i tell you is quite true though very strange i was tempted to try to obtain a loan from him that was all to get possession of some of his money i was tempted and at first i resisted i walked a little way toward the rue d'anjou i met a carriage that decided me i called it and got into it not to go home i was too near my own house i told the coachman to drive up the champs elysees i got out at the entrance of the bois and there i stayed two hours all alone waiting for him as if i were keeping an appointment watching for the coming of a man who had it in his power to save me not certain whether he would take the road i told him thinking that perhaps he had gone down to the river bank i was playing a game of life and death in short in the darkness at hazard with a man i did not know i went on saying to myself it is very unlikely he will come this way but if he does i shall feel certain i am bound to win i had no weapons nothing but that little toy cane in my hand a present from you you see yourself i was not lying in ambush with any thoughts of homicide indeed as i said i was standing there like a player before the green table in a gambling-house i had no remorse as i waited for his coming you cannot sympathize with the superstitions of a gambler they are just as real as they are crazy when after two hours waiting i thought i saw him coming just at the time i might reasonably have looked for him coming quietly tranquilly along the road by which i had directed him more sober and consequently in a better condition to listen to me my heart swelled i had a spasm of satisfaction a gush of gratitude toward chance or maybe toward god for yes in the hideous intoxication of spirit to which my other intoxication had given place i was beside myself i had a sudden feeling of a return to god i thanked providence for giving me this chance gamblers do sometimes indulge in such ejaculatory prayers and thanksgivings we turn god into a fetish we have such a dread of the risks of mere chance gaston again paused he could not persuade gabrielle that it was fate that had conquered him the further he went in his confession the more he felt the weakness of his excuses his wife had not given one sign that could assure him of more than pity coupled with contempt but he was his own judge and did not falter he tried to rise but he had no more strength in him then resigning himself to his weakness he sat upright in his chair his head resting against the back of it his thin pale nervous hands those murderous hands whose deed of violence he was about to tell stretched out on each arm of the chair like criminals brought up before the bar of justice he went on with cold and panting breath like a dying man eager to hurry through his confession that he might be ready for his deliverance i see you don't believe what i'm telling you and yet it is all true i know i have often told you what was false when pierre was close up to me i accosted him 
he was surprised at seeing me he recognized me as one of the guests at the supper-table that evening but not as the man who had given him directions as to his road i told him that i lived in the bois i joked with him about the supper he joked me about my losses at play for de bois had told at table all the story of my disasters the idea of a man of the world an experienced player having lost a large sum remained fixed in the memory of this big coarse bore with a pocket-book stuffed full of banknotes what he said led up to my request i asked him half laughing half in earnest to lend me some money he replied by a derisive laugh i pressed the matter he was brutal and rude and as in my annoyance i chanced to touch his arm he pushed me off and shook his fist at me ah how unlucky he asked me if fashionable gentlemen like me were often in the habit of committing highway robbery to pay their debts it was he who suggested it he thought that a blow would make me keep my distance he struck at me like a brute then what i never had intended took place a devil in me must have brought it all about without my will i drew back i raised my cane to defend myself i gave it a terrible swing i struck him with the loaded handle on the temple he was stunned he stumbled i struck him again that time the blow was mortal gabrielle interrupted him by a cry i saw it i saw him make haste finish quickly gaston looked at his wife her mouth was open her eyes were wild he did not understand how could she have seen his victim he did not know that she had braced herself up to the point of going to the morgue and seeing the wound on the dead body he was disposed superstitiously to believe that by some kind of second sight she might have been spectator of the actual murder a pale ray of moonlight that had filtered through the branches of the trees that night was perhaps he thought a sign of the presence of the disembodied spirit of gabrielle he resumed timidly i have done i did not think i had killed him i tried to raise him up as i touched him i felt his pocket-book then since i had been a murderer i became a robber i shut my eyes and i felt in his pockets and when i had what i wanted i ran away i don't know how i got home how could i have walked without consciousness all that long way i seemed to have steel springs in me which made me walk and walk with my head erect i have a vague recollection of a sort of short sharp laugh which came through my clenched teeth i went on not looking on the earth but up to heaven it seemed to me that in some rent in the clouds i might see a sword brandished over my head a great eye threatening me but i said to myself who can find it out nobody saw me why did he attack me first it was all his fault it was in self-defence i was hardly conscious i had robbed him when i got home i found myself still grasping my little stick crusted with blood my fingers were clenched round it i hid it in the antechamber intending to destroy it the next morning 
i cannot restrain my fury when i found that you had discovered it i went to bed and for the remainder of that night of cards and murder which one would have supposed would have been horrible i slept like lead i had flung myself exhausted on my bed why did i reawake to life from that day forward i have never slept a quiet sleep again i guess that you did not believe me the next day i have told you many lies which i made up when i lay awake lies that i was afraid i might forget before i told them to you when the trial began i was tempted to tell you everything but i did not dare i hoped it would all turn out well after the verdict i was crushed to the earth by my double crime i have nothing more to tell you pronounce sentence shall i blow out my brains with his pale hands he wiped the moisture from his paler brow gabrielle rose and with unwavering gentleness more impressive than any severity she said what i wish you to do is to live and not to go back to this bottle to court forgetfulness and to gain false strength strength i will give you strength long since i ought to have invited this confidence many years your repentance may have been postponed gaston gave a start i know continued gabrielle that you fancy you repent but it is not real repentance since you will not accept the punishment what do you want me to do to do as i do i have made myself accessory to your crime for fifteen years i have been trying to repair what might be reparable in this double disaster i have tried to save the honor of my son and to assure the happiness of the girl whom you made fatherless i have had to take all kinds of precautions that my secret might not be found out my madame mortier does she hate me i cannot tell i have feared so but i have not been sure of it there is one tie that binds us together that is our children and there is something that will always separate us even if she does not accuse me of the crime she knows that i have a mother's love for her child she has divined my thoughts my hopes she seems to lend herself to them but just now it appears to me that she is only anxious that roger should in his turn suffer the love i feel for florence makes her jealous and yet she is almost as grateful for it as she is angry let me go on with my work do not keep up the secret hostility that there is between you and this poor woman it exposes you to suspicion much more than it wards it off if you could see the ironical way in which she obeys you when you are severe with any of the workpeople she challenges you to pronounce judgment on yourself by acts of rigorous justice she tries to test you she watches your efforts at dissimulation and now she has an additional grudge against you she has to avenge this morning's insult to her daughter if you had made no opposition to roger the idea of an inquiry which terrifies me might never have entered the heads of our two children i assure you that the real danger is there near at hand and menacing how will you now disarm your son help me we cannot possibly expect happiness 
but if madame emilienne saw her daughter rich happy and a mother maybe her devotion to her husband's memory would be less maybe she would keep silence for the sake of her daughter's husband i do not intend always to keep silence my hope is that some day kneeling before her as you just now knelt before me i may make our confession to her she may not forgive us but she may let us continue to expiate the crime without dishonouring the son of her adoption we will leave her our children to make her happy we will go away together you and i leaving behind all hope of happiness and then if you do what is right during our exile perhaps your wakeful hours will be of more profit to your soul than a sleep such as you tell me of that lulls remorse within you if i could go away if i could only travel moaned gaston alarmed at the task before him no we must stay here for the present later we will go away together monsieur de monterey was about to reply but a knock at the door made him start violently he had not strength to ask who was there gabrielle put the question instead a servant sent by madame emilienne had come to tell monsieur de monterey that a deputation of quarrymen wanted to speak to him and were waiting for an interview in the white parlor what is the meaning of this asked gaston looking at his wife i think i know said gabrielle then turning to the servant she said say that monsieur de monterey will be down in a few moments as soon as the door closed gabrielle changed her tone and said with a firmness that seemed almost cheerful and undoubtedly valiant this is the first opportunity to show that you will respect my wishes to prove that you understand what i have been saying to you come what is going on i have spoken with you just in time it is about pavel who is he one of our workmen who struck one of his mates and came very near killing him he wanted to get back from him what he had lost at cards the quarrel arose out of gambling ah muttered gaston disconcerted pavel has been discharged madame emilienne took that upon herself they want you to confirm the sentence or to do more take care it is a snare prepared for you a snare yes i am sure of it you must not fall into it why must i go down then i am sick i am really ill that would be no excuse in the eyes of madame emilienne and perhaps not in those of the workpeople well i will go and approve all madame emilienne has done that will not be difficult that is precisely what she expects she intends to observe whether the affair throws you into any trouble or confusion you must try to have enough clemency to put her in the wrong but you were saying just now that i had better not quarrel with her i told you not to get into a passion with her on any pretext passions betray real feelings the pure in heart are lenient you must go counter to your own antecedents do not do that to this poor fellow that your own remorse tells you would be only just to yourself forgive advise be fatherly rise into kind-heartedness clemency is the highest justice after all gabrielle spoke with authority gaston felt that she was about to put him through a great trial would she promise him her forgiveness if he went safely through it 
he dared not ask her madame mortier he said will think i am afraid to punish a man who struck another man and who is a gambler punish that is just what a guilty man would do to disarm suspicion show that you do not fear that your leniency will be misunderstood gaston still hesitated he walked twice round his room looking at himself as he passed the mirror over the fireplace then stopping before his wife he said with a pitiful smile won't they see i've been crying never mind if they do replied gabrielle with a touch of impatience you need not be ashamed if they think that you are sad of heart after what passed this morning you have shown everybody that you can be fitful and severe perhaps roger will be there he certainly will not think less of you for being very sorry for what passed between you he had to yield he went into his dressing-room a moment either to bathe his eyes or to compose his features into a new expression of benevolence and candor which would replace the mask he had worn for fifteen years when he was ready let us go down he said to gabrielle you shall see how well i will follow your directions hardly had he gone three steps however before he paused he hesitated a rush of blood to the head such as he had had shortly before made him totter give me your hand he said in a low voice to his wife gabrielle in her turn hesitated it was long since she had given her hand to her husband but this time it would be no token of weakness or of premature forgiveness the touch of her hand might encourage him she stretched it out that cool soft hand gaston clasped it his hand was burning he pressed it tightly held it clasped in his and went on with a firmer step at the door of the white parlor by an instinctive impulse of delicacy and of respect for his wife he relaxed his hold but gabrielle replaced her hand in his and thus apparently united husband and wife entered together the great parlor and appeared before madame emilienne who was waiting for them End of chapter eleven